So I told you last week, as we started to look at this, who is Jesus, that each of the four Gospels... So I told you guys that each of the four Gospels, each of the four Gospels paints a different picture of who Jesus is. And last week we looked at Jesus is man, right? Jesus is a man. And we we looked at not only the historical proof, but more importantly, the biblical proof from the book of Luke that Jesus is a man, or was a man, okay? So today we're going to look at what comes from the book of Mark. And the book of Mark is the shortest, thank you, is the shortest of the four Gospels. And I'm hoping tonight, for your sake, maybe for my voice's sake, that... This will be the shortest of the lessons that I teach in this series. But before we dive in to really the structure of Mark and how it proves the idea we're going to look at tonight, I want to first take you to the book of John, specifically John 13. And we see probably the best individual picture of the topic we're going to talk about tonight. So last week we looked at this really striking moment when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, who do you say I am? You guys remember we talked about that? He turned to them and he asked them that question, really put them on the spot. But what we're going to look at today is probably an equally surprising moment. And it's when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. So I'm going to read to you guys. From John 13, starting in verse 1, so that we can see this whole story. It says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God so that he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean. Though not every one of you, for he knew he was going, who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. 
<clears throat> when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the place. Do you not understand what I had done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And it's interesting that we look at this, and we're going to look at the, like two sides of this real quick. So first we see kind of the on-the-nose point that Jesus was making. He washes the disciples' feet, and he says, I've done this as an example that you are to do to other people. And so he literally is telling the disciples that what he is doing now is what they should do to other people. And now I don't think that what he's talking about is literally washing their feet. Because he goes on after that to talk about that a servant is no greater than his master. And really what we're looking at tonight in totality is the idea that Jesus is a servant. And we see this picture of Jesus serving his disciples by humbling himself before them and washing their feet. Now, I think if I were to pull out a bucket of water right now and a wash rag and ask everyone to take off their shoes and wash everyone's feet in here, everyone would think that was really nasty, right? Like we all agree, that's, that's gross. But in our modern times, we have the luxury of things like socks, shoes, sidewalks, paved roads, grass, things that don't make your feet horribly gross. Now, yes, your feet get sweaty and they stink and blah, blah, blah. But imagine that you're living in Jesus' time. And literally you walk everywhere you go. All the paths, all the roads are made of dirt. You're wearing sandals all the time. Your feet are literally caked in dirt. Okay, they're like brown because they're just covered in dirt. They're sweaty, which makes the dirt just stick to them more. Turns almost into mud. Cakes onto your feet. And you probably haven't washed your feet in weeks. And you're sitting there, the grossest part of your body, probably at that point, and Jesus is on the ground in front of you, wanting to clean the dirtiest part of your body. The dirtiest part of who you are as a human, Jesus is on the ground asking to wash it clean. It's a truly remarkable picture. When we look at this, we have to ask ourselves, why would Jesus do this? What was the purpose of his action? This action demonstrated one of the most misunderstood ideas about who Jesus is in Scripture. That he was 
a servant. Which sounds crazy to say because I think most of us, if not all of us, see Jesus as this grand figure that should be in charge or in control that everyone should answer to, not someone who people give commands to. We think of a servant as someone that we go, yes, I need another water, please. Yes, uh, servant, would you please bring me another drink? That's what we picture as a servant. That is not the picture of Jesus that we normally see. We don't picture Jesus as someone who we just snap our fingers and he just does whatever we want. We see Jesus as the one in charge. So it's weird to look at Jesus as a servant. And I think that's why he had to do something so big as to wash the disciples' feet was for them to fully understand that Jesus is a servant. But we look at the book of Mark. The book of Mark shows us its whole underlying theme is Jesus is a servant. And it has a very interesting structure as we look at it. And it kind of reveals to us exactly what Jesus being a servant means for us and in the story of the Bible. (coughs) So the first half of the book almost seems to want to keep the fact that, and, and we're going to talk about this later, Jesus is Messiah is the word I'm going to say right now. It just means that he is, he is Lord. But we're going to talk about that in a later week, okay? Spoiler alert. But for tonight, just understand that I'm going to be saying Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, okay? Jesus the human is claiming to be the Messiah, okay? So we're going to assume just for tonight, we'll, we'll prove it later, that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? So when we look at the book of Mark, it almost seems for the first half of the book that Jesus wants to keep the fact that he claims to be the Messiah a secret. You look at Mark 1, 25, Mark 1, 34, Mark 3, 11 and 12, Mark 5, 7. You see Jesus silencing demons who are trying to to say who he is. These demons, like people who are possessed by demons, are trying to out who Jesus is. They're trying to refer to him as the Messiah, and he silences them because he wants to, it, it seems like he wants to keep it a secret. In Mark 8:30, Mark 9:9, Mark 8:30, and yeah, Mark 8:30, Mark 9:9, Jesus warns the disciples or or asks the disciples not to. Tell people he's the Messiah. Actually, in Mark 9.30, he says, do not tell people these things. He explicitly says, I want this to stay a secret. Which sounds weird, right? Like we don't think of Jesus like being like, oh, don't tell people who I am. We think of Jesus being like, tell the world who I am. So why the secret? Why would Jesus want to keep the fact that he is the Messiah a secret? We have to ask that question as we read the first half of the book of Mark. Because that's what he's doing. And we see in Mark 8, 31 and 32. That the secret 
is because the Messiah that Jesus is and the Messiah that Jesus came to be is not the Messiah that the Israelites expected him to be. The Israelites, the Jewish people, expected the Messiah to be a warrior who would come from God, defeat the Roman Empire who had taken over Jerusalem and Israel and reestablish God's kingdom on earth. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to come do. Jesus knew that if people thought or knew that he was the Messiah, that they would expect something of him that was not why he came to earth. They would expect him to fight for them in a physical way. But the reason Jesus came to earth was to fight for us in a spiritual way. Jesus' secrecy in the first half of the book of Mark was to tone down the expectations for the Messiah. So that he could redefine the true role of the Messiah, of Jesus, as a servant. But why would he do this? Why would Jesus, the Messiah, who who could be the warrior Messiah that the, the Israelites wanted and desired, he could be that. Why would he rather be known as a servant? Where he talked about being a servant is almost kind of like a degrading thing. And you may ask yourself, does it belittle Jesus to refer to him as a servant? And I would say... It does if you expect that Jesus is serving you like he's at your beck and call. Or you think he takes orders from you or that you're his master. Then yes, it belittles Jesus. But it does not dishonor Jesus to say that we are people who are in desperate need of his help. Correct? And so when we look at Jesus as a servant who provides us help that we can't provide ourselves, that only he can provide us, we see a picture of Jesus as a servant that we desperately need. So we look back at this moment where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And yes, he's literally serving them and he's literally telling the disciples to serve others, which is great. And we should all do that. But let's look at the hidden second meaning behind that. What does he say to Peter? He says, do you not understand? Let me me actually read it verbatim because I don't want to mess it up. He says, you do not understand or you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And then he says, Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Guys, do you realize this washing he's talking about is not literally washing your feet, but it's washing away of your sins. 
Jesus is literally laying on the ground wanting to wash away the dirtiest part of who you are in a physical sense. But it's a metaphor for how he wants to wash away the dirtiest part of who we are as a human in a spiritual sense. Jesus wants to wash away and cleanse your sins in the same way that he washed and cleansed the disciples' feet. That was the purpose of Jesus serving, was to come to this earth to serve us in a way that we can't serve ourselves. Guys, we cannot cleanse our sins. We can apologize for them, but we cannot cleanse ourselves of sin. The Bible tells us the punishment for sin is death, period. If you sin, you deserve death. But Jesus served us by sacrificing himself, by paying that penalty of our death on the cross. Guys, the the moment that a nail went through Jesus' hand on the cross, that punishment, that was for my sin. The moment the next nail went through his wrist, that was for your sin. Everything that happened to Jesus was on our behalf. He was serving our punishment. I think some of you guys know this about me, but I really like hockey, okay? Don't get too excited. But what happens when they call a bench miner, Noah? What happens when they call a bench miner? Yeah, but does it have to? Does it have to be the person who committed the penalty? No. Yeah, you put your worst player in the box, right? Okay. So in hockey, if a penalty is called that's not on a specific player. Literally anyone can go take the punishment for that penalty. And so most of the time you have someone on your team who's designated as like the penalty person. No. <laughs> no. Can't be no. But that person has to pay the penalty for what someone else did. They're serving the penalty. They're serving the time for someone else's mistake. And when we look at what the Bible teaches and what the book of Mark shows us, it shows us that Jesus was a servant, not just in a physical sense. Yes, Jesus went around his time on earth. He walked around and he healed people. He took care of people. He protected people. He loved people. He served them physically and emotionally in that way. But Jesus wasn't just a physical servant. Jesus was a spiritual servant. He served our spiritual penalty on the cross. Guys, we're going to get into we're going to get into more of this in the next couple of weeks about who Jesus is. But it is important that we understand <clears throat> the no matter what you believe about Jesus, that you can look at the Bible 
And you can see that one, he was a man. That was what we talked about last week. He was actually a man who lived. And two, what he did with his life was he went around and he served people. That's what he did. So we've covered that he's a man and that he's a servant. And we'll get into something a little more intense next week as this series continues to build about who Jesus is. But I'm going to pray for you guys and we're going to be done for tonight, okay? God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for these students. But ultimately, God, I thank you so much for Jesus being a servant, for him being a person, a a God that came down to this earth and that served the punishment for our sin. God, we can't thank you enough for that. We can't praise you enough. The songs we sing, the things we do, the life we live can never be enough to say thank you for that sacrifice, God. God, but I pray that you just burden our hearts to give our all, to sing our loudest, to praise you the best that we can, to thank you for that sacrifice. God, we love you. We pray that you just continue to speak to us as we study this series. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.